0: Um, we, we've got a great leader in Richard. He texted me this morning in all his busyness to say he was praying for me this morning. And I really appreciated that because I wasn't, really wasn't feeling very well when I woke up. <clears throat> Concerned about talking for so long. <clears throat> anyway, I've had plenty of prayer now. We've prayed for by Richard in India and people here. So, today we're looking at our fifth value as a church, and um, the, the banner we have of our core values, I just need to point out those are, are our old values, and we have a new set of values, we now have eight as opposed to the six, and there will be a new v- banner coming soon. So, so far we've looked at four other values, we've looked at belonging, teaching, Living, and last week David spoke to us about being empowered. So if you've missed any, they all are on the website. You're welcome to go and have a listen. Do have a listen because these are the values of our church. So today I'm talking about discipling and I want to encourage us in our process of discipleship. In my preparation I came across a few things that were very challenging challenging to me, and that little word that you read in the Psalms, I think you say silah, it means stop and think about that. And a few of the scriptures I read, I was like, oh, oh, I need to think about this. So although I might be saying some things that you've probably heard, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard them um, a lot. They're not new things I'm going to be telling you, but I think it's worthwhile that we Reevaluate our lives. It's good sometimes to hear about the things that we for you forget. You, you just forget. They just you take them for granted. But sometimes it's good to reevaluate our lives. Make sure that we are on the right course. So this is the value that we've discussed as a leadership group, and Richard put the words together. Discipling, a people in the process of discipleship, equipping and formation in order to fulfill their destiny. And the scripture that we've chosen to go along with that is this one in Ephesians. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I read somewhere in my preparation that we can choose to be disciples of, any, of anything or anyone. Uh, you can choose to have a football hero as, as, your, as somebody that you're going to be disciple to. Or you can pick a successful business person and be their disciple. You could pick a church leader. You could pick Richard if you wanted to. You could pick your favorite TV pastor, personality preacher, which I think some people do. I've, I've heard some people talk and it sounds like they are disciples of TV preachers. But we need to remember, we are following Jesus. It's Jesus we follow. The first century disciples, they lived with their rabbi. They followed their way of life. They um, learned everything that they taught them. They obeyed their teaching. And I was thinking in the worship that, that King, King Louis, is it? I want to walk like you, talk like you. And just a little funny thing. That's really what a disciple is. King Louis looked up to humans in a huge way. And that's the way we need to look up to Jesus. He is the one we are following. Everyone who chooses to follow Jesus, no no matter what part of the journey you're on, you're a disciple of Jesus. When you become a Christian, you become a disciple. The very word Christians means Christ followers. And don't forget we're saints, which means that we are consecrated to God. We're holy, which means we're set apart to be gods, belong to God, not gods as in we become gods, So we're on a journey as a disciple of Jesus to become more like Jesus. We're going to follow his way of life, learn from him, be obedient to him. And as disciples, we should be seeking Jesus with our whole hearts. We should be sold out to him and to him alone. These are not new words, are they? We've heard these often. But we're in a process. It's a process. We're not instantly mature, unfortunately. But we are being matured, we're being equipped, and we're being transformed to be like Jesus as we live our lives. As a disciple, we're a worshiper of God, we're a servant of all, and a witness pointing people to Jesus. So we have some responsibilities as disciples. There are just three that I'm going to pick on because I'm pretty sure there's lots more. You could probably think of them while I'm talking. So we have a responsibility for our own lives. We have a responsibility to make sure that we are in the right place for our own discipleship. And and while I was preparing, all I could hear was questions at myself, questions and questions. Am I in the right place? Am I in the right place to hear God's word preached? Am I being challenged? Am I acting on the challenges? Am I listening? Am I listening in my heart Is my life being transformed? If we don't see transformation happening in our lives, we need to start questioning ourselves. Are we living like we should be living? We should be becoming more Christ-like as we follow Jesus. We should be following him that closely. Somewhere some time ago I read that um, to be a disciple in the first century it, they literally, the disciples literally followed the rabbi, their teacher that they followed, so closely that they would get dust on their clothes from the rabbi walking in front of them. And that's the picture we, we must keep in our heads about being disciples of Jesus. So as a church, we've got plenty of groups that help us to be disciples. If you need to know more about the basics Of your faith. We've got the Foundations Course. We have the Freedom in Christ Course if you need freedom in your life or you've got lots of unforgiveness. And this course you can do more than once because you always have unforgiveness that's sort of poking its nasty head into your life. You can be set free go on the Freedom in Christ course. There are home groups, Bible study groups. We've got a youth group that meets on a Sunday evening. We've got ladies groups, men's groups. And coming regularly on a Sunday morning is also a group for where you can learn to be a disciple of Jesus, where you can hear the word, can worship with other believers and serve one another and serve Jesus. We're all part of one body when we come to church, when we're a Christian. We are part of a larger body and we're part of this particular body here in Beverly. So sometimes we need to give ourselves a discipleship health check and ask ourselves those hard questions. How is my personal relationship with Jesus? Is he taking the place in my life that he should be taking? Is he first and foremost Am I surrendered to his authority in my life? Remember, we're on a journey of discipleship, and it's good to remind ourselves of where we should be. So, I mentioned that I came across some challenges. Would you like to turn with me? Well, I'm not going to turn because I've got it printed. But would you like to turn or, or, or go to Luke chapter 14, verse 26? These are familiar verses as well. So verse 26 of Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, Even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And this was one of those verses that I read and I thought ooh that's a hard word. Well, that word hate that Jesus used there is actually an exaggerated figure of speech. He doesn't mean that we shouldn't we should have actual hostility or aversion to our earthly family, but it indicates that we should have a lesser degree of love for our immediate family. That's a hard word. I remember a story I read in a, I read a book about a Chinese Christian called Brother Yan, I think, the heavenly man. And he tells a story of a woman who chose Jesus over her children. And it's heartbreaking because the Chinese government took her children away from her, put, her, put them into institutions where they brainwashed them telling them that their mother didn't love them. She did love them, but she loved Jesus more. She chose Jesus over her children. I hope that none of us ever have to do that, because that must have been heartbreaking. But Jesus saw, and she will get a reward. So, it's putting Jesus first before everyone in our lives, even before our immediate family, the people that we usually love most. out of everybody. So he carries on in verse 17. Jesus says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. To carry your cross, to follow Jesus means self-denial, complete dedication, and willing obedience, perhaps even dying because of your faith in him. There's a cost of being a disciple. I think you'll agree, it's a big cost. And Jesus goes on in that passage of scripture to talk about the cost, and he says, "Who, if you're planning on building a building, won't sit down first and add up the cost so that you so so that he knows he will be able to complete the building? That's what people will do. Otherwise, you'll come to you'll dig the foundations. We've got um, building work going on." In our garden. And um, it's kind of stalled. We don't know where the builder is. (laughs) But. If that was because we had no money. People would laugh at us. Saying what? (laughs) Why did you start building. If you didn't know you could finish the building. You count count up how much it's going to cost. Jesus also uses the example of a king going out to battle. He said doesn't the king sit down and think. Do I have enough strength to go against this other king with his armies. Do I have enough men? Do I have enough power to to beat? Well maybe not. Let me send an envoy of peace. So before you do anything major, you usually most people would count up the cost. Otherwise you could end up being ridiculed. We need to consider the cost of being a disciple. I don't think I've ever heard an altar call where it's been preached that there's a cost to having Jesus is your savior. There is. It's no no good um, just believing in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. It's no good just believing. We actually need to follow as disciples. And we need to count the cost. We need to be prepared to give up everything we have to follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus says further down in Luke 14 verse 33, in the same way, Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. There's a cost in following Jesus. At work uh, recently, I've noticed that my manager um, finds Christians quite amusing and he likes to joke about playing Christian music. And um, he has a good old laugh and plays songs um, online that talk about Jesus is my leader or Jesus is my this. And and, um, I'm going to have to say something. At some point, I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, I am one of those. (laughs) Stop laughing at me. But that is a hard thing. That's a cost. He might turn off me completely. And then when my year's contract is up, I won't be asked back. So am I willing? I'm asking myself these. Am I willing to lay down my job that I've really wanted for a long time because of Jesus? Following Jesus comes with a cost. But there is a prize. We are alive in Christ. Paul, Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1 and he says, part of his prayer for the people he's writing to is, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. His glorious inheritance in me, And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We have an amazing Savior. We have an amazing Savior who we can follow We live in a culture, I think you'd agree, that loves comfort and ease and entertainment. That is what our culture is all about. And um, we're led to believe that if we feel uncomfortable or somehow strained in any way, that there's a problem. Um, But if we live like that, it's going to lead us to half-hearted discipleship. If our discipleship, this is a hard thing to hear, if our discipleship doesn't involve struggle and sacrifice, we should evaluate whether we have become too comfortable. The final um, line on that, if, on that Luke chapter, Jesus says, talks about salt losing its flavor. And we need to, become, we need to be careful of becoming salt that loses its flavor. It's useful for nothing, salt without flavor. We can become useless in the kingdom of God if we are not wholehearted. So the saltiness of a Christian is their single-minded focus on Jesus, laying everything down to follow him. Think of of that that Christian Indian man, I think woman i'm not sure who wrote that song i have decided to follow jesus and what they would do is is point and that was a sign i have decided to follow jesus at great cost living for jesus cost the apostle paul greatly and he struggled but he struggled with the energy and the power of jesus in him he says in colossians He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. It made me think that we shouldn't be afraid of struggle and sacrifice. When we do it in the power and strength of Jesus, we're doing it for him. It's a sacrifice. Jesus also placed a lot of importance on bearing good fruit in our lives. And unless we remain in Jesus and his words remain in us, we won't be able to bear fruit. So would you turn with me please to John chapter 15. And I'm reading from verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So, Jesus said that if we bear much fruit, we show ourselves to be his disciples. And love is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which leads on nicely to my next point. The respons- we have a responsibility to ourselves as disciples, and we also have a responsibility to other believers. We've got a responsibility to help each other along on our journey. We're in it together. And each of us needs to be encouraging and building one another up. We can help those who are younger in the faith and encourage those who are older in the faith as they help us. We can build each other up. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 3, Encourage one another day after day as long as it is called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So let's not be afraid of challenging one another. We do it to, to some degree, but let's do it. Let's do it with our wholeheartedness. Let's encourage each other inspire each other to live Christian lives, to live the life of a disciple. We all need help at different stages of our life. Sometimes there's a little bit of help. Sometimes it's a good old whack. There's a joke David told me. It's a David Miller joke. He said... What's the difference between a Christian and a computer? Can I remember? With a computer, you only have to punch the information in once. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we need to remind each other to live. You know, yeah. if you see somebody walking off the end of a cliff, you stop them, don't you? Let's do that for one another. If you see a fellow Christian walking off in the wrong direction, let's stop them and ask them, what are you doing? When I was a young adult, um, I, I didn't really turn away from Jesus in, in a big way, but there was a, moment, a time in my life where I was walking in my own way. And one of the leaders in our church, a friend, he pulled me aside one day and basically rebuked me like you would not be happy with as a British person. <laughs> you would be like, hmm, what gives you the right to do that, to say that to me? Anyway, he rebuked me, told me that I needed to stay on the right train tracks and turned my life around. I listened, I heard, I submitted to God, I repented and I walked the right way. And that's what we need to do for one another. Don't wait for leaders to do it. Do it as a friend, do it as a brother or a sister. And that's going to show our love for one another. And Jesus said that people would know we are his disciples by our love for one another. So let's love one another and spur each other on to do good works. The good works that God has already planned for us to do. And then we have a responsibility to non-believers. We have a responsibility to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, um, he said to his disciples, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age." We are commissioned to be witnesses of Jesus to those who don't know Him, and to make disciples of them. We should be sharing the gospel with all people. It's good news. I'm not going to go further into that because our final value, value number eight, is going. And that's all about a people active in sharing the gospel with others, which we will look at in a few weeks' time. So we've got a responsibility to ourselves, a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in the church, and a responsibility to people who don't believe Get. Now the Holy Spirit is responsible for the transformation that takes place within us. We are transformed by His work. We we're just responsible for getting ourselves into the right place, to hear the word preached, to be listening to God. That's our responsibility. But the Holy Spirit does the work in us. And we have an example to follow. We have Jesus' example to follow, seeing as we are his disciples. In would you turn with me please to Hebrews chapter twelve and we're going to read verse one to three. I quite like the new song we sang this morning because it's it's some of the the same words. Hebrews twelve, one to three Therefore. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So like a runner fixes their eyes on the finish line, we should concentrate on Jesus, who is the goal and objective of our faith. Our faith has its beginning in Jesus and it's also completed in him. He's the start of the race. And he's the end of the race. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We're in the middle of our race. And Jesus sustains us. Our strength can come from him when we look to him. So as disciples, we look to imitate Jesus. Think of King Louis. (laughs) Sing that song to yourself. (laughs) He persevered and he endured. He ran his race and he sat down at the right hand of God. We need to look to him so that we don't lose heart and grow weary. It's all about Jesus. Make Jesus the center of your life. Everything you do, have Jesus at the center. Can I ask the band to come up, please? This is a challenge that I've had preparing and I think it's a challenge for us as a church as well and as Christians. So I'd like us to take a little bit of time to consider some of the things I've said. You you might not have taken everything in, but there'll be one or two things that the Holy Spirit will have made burn in your heart. So let's recommit ourselves to follow Jesus or if you're not in that place yet, consider the cost. Consider the cost that it's going to cost you to be a disciple of Jesus. Let's just take a few moments in the silence. Jesus, I thank you that you make it possible for us to be able to do these very hard things to give up for you, Lord. You give us the strength. You give us the courage, Lord. And I thank you that you sustain us. Would you all stand for me, please? I'd like to read the doxology from Jude over us